Peter Nelson, and Peter Nelson is an, is an educator, a businessman, a father as well. So I have some questions here that we want to discuss the answers and how we forward as a people. But we're talking about COVID-19 and the new globe. And we want to hear your insights and views on some of the things that are happening right before our eyes. All right, Mr. Nelson? No. Yeah, man, sure. All right, so coming up with this 13-minute interview, I'm going to give you probably three to five minutes to answer each question. Sure. So my, my first question to you is, do you miss the pre-COVID lifestyle? Well, definitely, definitely. Uh, the idea of being able to go, go outside freely without having a mask over your face or going to a restaurant and just hanging out with friends, um, you know, is, is really something we used to basically just take for granted. But given the new, the new norm, you know, one has to reflect on the freedoms that we had. You know, so definitely I, I do miss that. You know, and, 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 and I can tell you that, you know, this new normal brings with it a number of psychological implications. Wow. And it's where you see persons lashing out and they don't want to wear the mask and they just, you know, because you become COVID. Really. <laughs> they cannot deal with it. So there are a lot of there are persons who are used to partying every every day or every weekend right. and now they can't party. Can you imagine the psychological trauma of having to be locked inside, can't party, can't hang out? It's it, it's 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 tough, it's tough for some. I agree. Um I agree a lot, a lot. You know? Right. Yeah. Thanks for that one and I agree to a great extent that we have to say goodbye to our old way of living, you know, and try to yes. embrace a different way, you know, adjust, you know, we just have to adjust. Yes, right. true. So coming up with another question, do you foresee the coronavirus pandemic um, prior to 2019? But what is interesting is that I can tell you something. I don't know, but somebody, somebody else, or other persons on the globe knew about this and knew that you, you was coming. Uh, because I was checking through some emails and I saw an email from a company in China, and this guy was telling me that I need to purchase some masks and this and that because you know something is coming and it would be a good business. It's like I still have the email. Still have it. I've deleted it. And this was way before it arrived here. Yes. I think I think probably as far back as um, twenty eighteen and I can verify that I still have the email, like I said. Mm -hmm. So uh, other persons knew about it. Right, and right. knew that it was coming and it was a big thing. That's why you have some persons referring to the whole thing as a pandemic and not a pandemic. Right, right, right. Because things just look things look a little bit suspicious, right? I'm not going to get into making up stuff, mm -hmm. but things right. look suspicious. Right. And people are asking questions as they should. I didn't I did not predict it. So that's right. a straight up answer. Yes. 
Thank you for that. All right, another question. How has the coronavirus changed your life and relationship with others? The social environment. The social environment. Now, but if you remove the social environment, you see, there's a depreciation in certain aspects of your personality. You see? So it's almost like you become a robot. Mental illness is real, especially in these times. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it has always been around, but has now basically magnified it. same question it changed your relationship with your with your child if you have one Um, that is 
that is a that is a positive thing. You know, I have to I have to talk to him even much more now. Um about wearing his mask and trying to keep his hands clean, basically pushing onto him more discipline. Right. And also trying to teach him it the whole thing has forced me to basically sit and try to teach him about what is going on and the implications of being reckless in terms of protecting himself um during these times. So yeah, it has improved things. Right. Yeah. Thank you very much for that profound response. All right. Um, number four, the, the fourth question. Do you think people are doing enough to contain the coronavirus? If no, why? Uh, I don't think they are. I don't think they are. There's a number of re- there we have a number of reasons for this. One, if we start from the top, politics. Politics is one problem. Alright, there are you have you have countries that have developed vaccines and some countries are not taking that vaccine because it's coming from that country. Right. That other country. So that's politics. Mm-hmm. And I can give you a good example of that. For example, uh Russians are the first to develop a vaccine. Um Russia developed this vaccine, people were not trusting it because the Russians did not release a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Of course, they are not going to release too much because they cannot jump the gun and they did not do all of the tests as yet. Mm-hmm. According to Western media, and I know Western media to be very untruthful. Mm-hmm. Right? But but Nelson, focus Nelson, focus it on the people because my follow-up question will go going to what you're talking about now. Alright, sure. In terms of the people now. One, people are kind of COVID weary. One. Two, you have people who don't believe that there is even a virus out there. That's the first. So you have these two things COVID weariness, they're tired of it, they have been under it for about a year mm-hmm. or so. That's one. And they don't say, look, I can't bother with this anymore. Mm-hmm. Then you have people who have their, their um, theories or hypotheses on what this virus is about, and so they just don't care about it. Mm-hmm. As well as the other persons who just say, look, they're not changing lifestyle for this. Well, they yeah. just don't continue and whatever happens, happens. I just don't think people are putting it into protecting themselves. If the people going about without masks and doing whatever. So, no, I don't think they are doing too much. Okay. Uh, protection of self is concerned. Um. All right. So let me thank you for, for that um, response again. All right. Do you think the PM, Prime Minister Andrew Owens, is doing a good job containing the coronavirus and boosting the local economy at the same time? Well, he's definitely not doing a good job at, uh, at any of those. But um, to be fair to him, the, he also needs help from the people. Right. right. So he has tried to enact some measures, right? But the people also need to help him, right? So, so whereas we want to, you know, we might want to blame him, but also remember the people have a role. You know, the people have a role to play, right? Um, right. So, so, so that's one thing. And also, in terms of why, one of the reasons why I say he's not doing it too well. In terms of containing, yes, he has tried. 
did not try. Okay. He has tried. Right. Um, in terms of preparing the country for it, in terms of getting hospital facilities ready, getting um, the human capital ready for these hospitals, okay. you know, getting the machinery and all that ready. Because you will have, you will need to admit people, uh, people and that, that, that is what has been happening. In terms of preparing for that, not much of that. In terms of testing, there's not much testing going on. Right. All right? Because if you, you can test 800 persons and and you found that 400 of them are positive, and oh, there are 400 new coronavirus cases in the country. <laughs> not really. You only test 800. Right. Maybe if you tested maybe if you tested um, sixteen hundred, you'll find that there were there were, there were the eight hundred new cases or a thousand new cases. So you can't come out and say that, you know, yeah. So that's one problem. The testing is not ready, so we really don't know the number of cases. Alright? Secondly, we have some deaths, we don't know how many of those deaths are due to coronavirus. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Alright? Because persons come in with bronchitis or breathing problems due to asthma attacks and you say, oh, it's COVID and you let them die. Mm-hmm. So you don't know the death. So that's, that's where bad management, that's where I probably strike him down uh, where that is concerned. Um, in terms of the economy, stimulating local economy, well, that is a failure for me because one of the problems you have, and this is not just his fault, all right? We can't just load all of this on him because even before him, this was a problem that we had. We placed all of our eggs in one basket called tourism. And now that there's a pandemic and people cannot travel, the economy is suffering because tourism is basically dead. So the local economy is in a bad state because of that now. Now back to him, to go back to the question. Is he doing enough to stimulate local local uh, economic growth under these conditions? Answer is no. Why? I don't see where he has um, put in place any stimulus packages for the local agriculture sector to maintain food security or any of the local manufacturing sectors, especially the microeconomic sector. Right? And the microeconomic sector is what contributes most to Jamaica's macroeconomy. So microeconomy in this country controls macroeconomy. Yes, we have some big factories, but we have more smaller factories than big factories. We have more corner shops, more bars, more German than we have big factories. So if you're not going to stimulate the economy, basically, basically handing out money to them, which is the same thing as buying shares in them. Then I just go around give a man fifty dollars. You actually buy shares in the businesses and basically help to push them. And there are no ways that this can be done, but I don't see where this is being done. But the premium so PM get PM get coronavirus um stimulus money too, not you? Yeah, you got some money from from the US. You could use and, that too. Uh, to help small businesses. But he's more using it to patch the budget. He's more using that to patch the budget. And also, because the, the tourism sector is basically dead at the moment, basically, uh, the central bank has been using the net international reserve to basically prop up the dollar, to stabilize the dollar by pumping US dollars into the market. To stabilize.
the National Reserve, you said? Yeah, the Net International Reserve, NIR, that's the money that we have set aside such that if the economy should collapse, we can use that to sustain the population until the economy can get back up on its feet. So that gone. But because the dollar, because the dollar has been fluctuating, sliding all the way to 152 or 153, right, as a result of low, um, low um, amount of US dollars present in the local market, right, which therefore causes the, um, the price of it to go because of it, mm -hmm. the law of supply and demand. Mm -hmm. If the supply is low, but the demand is constant, mm -hmm. right, then the price is going to go up.
my gosh. But, but, but Nelson, that was another profoundly answered question. All right, so I'm going to push another question on you, and I want you to take six minutes to chew up this one. But here okay. we go. What is your take on the coronavirus vaccine and Jamaica and Jamaica's inability to develop its own signature vaccine for its people? Well, um, first of all, it's a shame. That's the first thing. It's a shame. We have local scientists, brilliant people, who have, you know, they have developed many things, published many fascinating um, research papers. But as I said, the problem is with Jamaica, we have always put our eggs in one basket. We have always been the type to try to basically do things the lazy way, go for the low-hanging fruit. And the point is that low-hanging fruit is not always the sweetest. Right? It might appear to be sweet, but there are those in the top which are sweeter. For example, I'm talking about things like developing your scientific landscape to ensure true independence. For example, now we have a pandemic and the local scientific community cannot react. Why they can't react? Is it that they are not smart enough? Is that we don't have the type of science? Yes, we do. We have, all, we have smart people. We have the scientists. They can do it. But guess what? They don't have the equipment or the funding. They don't have the facilities. Why don't they have the facilities? The government, successive governments, did not care enough to develop the local scientific landscape to such an extent right, that it could take on such a challenge. They did not have the vision to say, look, we could have such problems in the future. We want a scientific community that responds to challenges. If we need medication, which we're supposed to be able to go to our scientists and say, we need this. You know, if we need, if we need materials for energy or whatever, we should be able to go to our local scientists. Knowing that they have the facilities and the Yes, we know the reasons, and that's and that's where that's where you have to start. 
see, we can we can know the problem. We don't have opportunities. We don't have much opportunities for for jobs. We don't have we don't have proper salaries. Right. And so we don't have job security and job availability. We don't have proper compensation. We don't have proper security overall. All right. So the country is not just is just not very survivable. And so people look outside for for institutions that will help them to you know help to fuel their careers and, and help them to develop. So they look outside and when they look outside and they are when they are going to school and they say she just don't come back. Because right. they probably just find a job after that and they just don't come back. Often time that's the case. Exactly, because at the end of the day, at the end of the day you need food and you need to take care of your family. You can't just come back and just sit down, come back to Jamaica to sit down and look. Okay. You need to be able to survive. So you go over there, you study, when you look when you when you look at it, you can get a job. You say, Okay, I'll take a job. You take a job, you start your family, you're not coming back. So, yeah. you know, these are the problems um, that we have. Like I said, Cuba is developing their own thing, trying to develop their own thing. What about us? We have to now be basically in the rat race fighting to see if we can get some. We try to get some from uh, Big Brother US. Basically, we just get a slap in the face. Is it the same Pfizer? Politics, 
saving mankind, there's more politics in it, there's more economics in it. Do you, do you? It's not about letting them do it, they don't care about the virus anymore. That's why I know that there's something different. It's not really per se about the virus, but they use the virus as a global reset to roll in the entire system. Yeah, you, you know, you know, economics and 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 power and stuff like that, right? And that's where it is, that right? But but Nelson, I'm going to wrap up now with the interview, and I want to be very grateful to you for the information that you have divulged um, just by answering these questions. And for sure, let us chat some more in the future about more important topics oh, such as this one. All right? Most definitely. Most definitely. Anytime. Yes, my So here we have Dr. Peter Nelson, educator at the University of West Indies, sharing his view on the coronavirus um, pandemic and the new world to come. Thank you again, Mr. Nelson, we catch up.